Markets with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow. Chip is with Blue Reef Agri Marketing in Morton, Illinois. And Chip, may I tell you what, there is a. So, how long have you and I been doing this, Chip? About two years now? I'd say at least. Yeah, so that's when you were, when I just have you on as a guest and we started doing this normal thing. So, it's been close to two years, or if not more. And, um, I think I picked the right time to do this because we've never had a lack of anything to talk about in the two and a half years that we've been doing this or two years or however long it's been that we've been doing this. So, And uh, this morning is really no different than any other morning we've had. There's just all kinds of stuff going on out there, whether it's coronavirus or waiting on is phase one even going to happen now. I mean, there's just all of this stuff happening. Uh, we got Tyson's talking about how they're going to uh, – they see a boost in sales because of the soaring prices of pork over in China. I mean, there's just all this stuff going on. So I guess while the world's going to hell in a handbasket, what's your uh, what's your commentation on that? I guess for uh, for everybody out there. Well, I think that's a pretty good overview, Casey. I mean, we um, have always had global markets, but they're never uh, they've never been as interconnected as they are right now, and. Uh, then you throw in this uh, coronavirus, and obviously that's kind of a black swan type uh, deal, and yeah. not something that uh, we've really faced uh, very, very much in, uh, in in recent history, anyway. And uh, throw it all into that uh, the big uh, pot of stew, and uh, man, you you know volatility is back in some regards, uh, particularly in the livestock markets. You know, with that uh, those comments from Tyson yesterday, you saw hogs scream limit up. Um, and I don't know what to make of that. I mean, the hog market has been sitting here for, uh, you know, a year waiting for that, right? It just, yeah. Our markets are just waiting for it, right? Yep. China's going to buy. We got a trade deal. They've got the, uh, you know, African swine fever. Uh, they're going to buy pork. And they've been buying a little bit, but it just hasn't been enough to, to really get the market excited. And then you see Tyson say that. Uh, they mentioned, uh, what, the 600% increase is what they expect on uh, Chinese demand. Yep. That was more than what the market just thought. Uh, but it's a typical thing again. It's uh, okay. When are we going to see it? You know, you look at the weekly sales and 5,000 tons a week, um, you know, which, which, uh, he hasn't even been that much, you know, 1500 to 2,500 tons, um, a week by China. That's not going to get to those numbers. That's certainly an increase, but it's not going to get to those massive numbers that, the market hopes they haven't bought uh, any, you know, anything on the grain side yet. Um, you know, the market seems disappointed by that, but yet the, the uh, phase one uh, agreement doesn't go into effect until next week anyway. So the market probably got a little ahead of itself expecting, uh, you know, immediate uh, gratification from, uh, from the trade deal stock market, uh, you know, crazy, with this coronavirus, you're thinking that um, I read this morning that they have 400 million people um, on the highest uh, level of quarantine in China. 
if you yeah. think about that, that's that's more than it's more you know, people you know, in the U.S. That, exactly, and By so how can that not? Yeah. yeah, how can that not affect their economy and then trickle into the world and you know stock market at all time highs yesterday? It's just some bizarre, bizarre stuff going on. So it's uh, it's definitely interesting, but it's it's hard to navigate. And uh, you know, we preach about it all the time about you got to have a plan. If you have a plan, you know, and at least, at least, you know what you're going to do when, whenever the market does, uh, it's craziness and, um, help, helps, uh, alleviate a little bit of the stress around the markets. Anyway. Yeah, that's for sure. There's a, just, just the amount of stuff that's happening out there is, is something that you got to shake your head at a little bit and say, well, you know, what's next, you know, between this and, uh, I mean, China's gotten hammered. Carefully. I mean, between the swine fever deal and, and this coronavirus, and now the avian flu's turned around, they're talking about having to go off and kill a bunch of chickens now. Um, there's just all kinds of stuff going on over there that, that can really affect the unrest in the marketplace for the people in, in China, not necessarily the whole world, but you start getting people all fired up on the inside of a country, and because their food supply is not the way it used to be, or the amount of uh, exports are putting out some manufacturing. I've read articles about that, how manufacturing is off where it should be, which makes sense. I mean, people can't work. You have 400 million people that can't go to work. It's going to affect some jobs, you know, and, and output. So there's just all kinds of stuff going on in China right now that, that have a, like you said, a global market impact. is just, it's just amazing what we're, we're looking at. But jumping over to some other markets here. So if you take a look, what's happened down in, um, Argentina, let's go over there and talk about soybeans. The soybeans have just, you know, one week they're they're wicked down, next week they're up, and next thing, you know, so but we haven't really broken through that that nine dollar barrier in a while. And you know, we got some rain down in the soybean and uh, soybean country down there in Argentina. So I guess what, what's your thought about is the markets open up today in soybeans and and what that does that look like now for the the soybean marketplace? Yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things that's um, kind of hanging over the bean market right now is it um, looks like pretty good crops uh, down there. Now, they've, you know, there's pockets of Argentina that have struggled, been a little too dry. There's pockets of Brazil that are now getting too wet. Uh, but it, it sounds like there's big crops there and it's February. And, and that's when you start seeing um, harvest pickup steam in Brazil. And so that's hanging over us. Um you know, the market says, get yeah, great. There's a phase one trade deal, but, um, you know, you're about to harvest uh, what uh, some people think is a, is a record crop by far down in, in Brazil. China typically, uh, you know, makes all their purchases this time of year in the Southern hemisphere anyway. So great. We got a phase one trade deal, but they're probably not going to buy any, any beans, uh, anytime soon. Uh, that's the, the gen- I'm not saying that's the case. That's what the market thinks right now. And uh, so that's really hanging over the, the bean market. Uh, the Brazilian farmer right now is uh, pretty well healed. Uh, I, I would say uh, they've had some really favorable currency moves. <clears throat> They're getting, you know, really good prices for their beans. And it appears they've got really good yields. And so that's a great combination. You know, that's kind of the, uh, the unicorn that all farmers seek is high price, high yield. <clears throat> they're getting it down there and uh you know that's definitely something that uh, is a little bit of a uh and more than a little bit a big headwind in the case of the bean markets um now what would shock the market though is 
if China did start importing U.S. beans in February and March, um, you know, I, I think that really would shock the market and give us a nice bounce. Uh, there's nothing to say they won't do that. Uh, lots of questions there, though, as you mentioned, with coronavirus. Um, you know, not only that, but, um, you know, shipping in and out of there. And if there's 400 million people quarantined, I mean, what is it? like a billion three uh, people in China. Uh, but, you know, what's the effect? What's the downstream effects going to be? And they even get stuff uh, in and out of there is, um, you know, I read a thing about... Uh, about shipping containers, you know, and, and some of the, the issues uh, around getting stuff in and out of that country. And so, you know, a lot of questions out there right now. But uh, one of the biggest things fundamentally that uh, we're, you know, hitting us right in the forehead right now is that uh, harvest that's starting to pick up steam in, um, in Brazil. And it looks like a big, big crop down there. And, and maybe the one thing that uh, could maybe give us a little support in the corn if it lasts another 10 days or two weeks is some abnormally wet weather in parts of brazil that might delay their bean harvest probably won't affect their yield but what it might do is slow down their second planting of corn down there and they have a smaller window um, they need to get that stuff in the ground quickly and so if you delay that that's likely to get either a curtail uh, corn acreage down there on their second crop and or B um, uh, cause some yield loss, um, you know, on the potential crop down there. So that is something. Uh, but again, you know, after last year, the, the market's going to be pretty uh, lax to add a lot of weather premium. But uh, that second crop in Brazil, I think it's about a billion and a half bushels. Normally, a lot of that's exported. It's a very definite uh, competitor, um, you know, against U.S. corn. And so it does matter down there what they plan and what that crop size is on corn. So uh, your next two, three weeks going to be uh, start taking on more importance from a, from a weather perspective in Brazil. Yep. So the wheat market now has been dominated by um, lots of news about Russia, Ukraine. Um, even, even France was in the news this morning about uh, how exports hit record highs compared to what they've seen in, in any other time in, in, in their history. So... Uh, sounds like the wheat market has got some, uh, got some kind of bullish kind of looks there. I guess right now, if you start taking a look at what's going on around the world, um, not necessarily the the greatest fall planting season for uh, wheat here in, in the U.S. So it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like coming into uh, spring as we come out of winter. But when you start looking at the uh, different stuff that's happening right now in the wheat market, there's got to be some some positive signs out there that there's going to be a continued upward trend in wheat. Yeah, it's confusing. The wheat market's a little bit confusing, um, but nonetheless, it, it's, it continues to find support on breaks, and it rallies um, fairly easily right now. And so the conflicting news out there seems to be exactly what you said, like pretty good world demand, um, world wheat prices continue to rally, and that kind of, um, you know, has the, the rising tide of cash wheat in the world has helped lift our prices as well now the problem is we're not getting a lot of that business a lot of that business is coming out of you know uh, like you said france europe uh you know black sea area uh russia is is weird um to to kind of get uh, some of the news digested out of there 
you know, on the one hand, uh, their cash wheat prices are screaming higher. On the other hand, uh, you know, their government officials say, ah, we got plenty of wheat and we might export more. You know, something doesn't make sense there. If there were big supplies, then their domestic prices wouldn't be rallying. So there's just a lot of um, uh, conflicting information there. Um, so what you got to do when that happens is you fall back on price. And price is going to tell you all you need to, no matter what uh, people say about uh, a big supply, little supply problems. Just look at a chart. And we're well off the highs. And, and as I look at a chart of wheat, um, you know, there's some recent lows here, particularly the lows from Monday, are very important in wheat. And if we can hold those lows, I think we can maybe rally back towards the recent highs, which are, you know, at this point, uh, almost 40 cents uh, above us. But I don't think, um, I, I think it's a case where if we take the lows out from earlier this week, just looking at a chart, um, you have to take a look and, and say, all right, I have to follow that. I have to respect that no matter what the bullish news is in the world. And so I think we're at a place on the chart on wheat where, um, you know, we've got a line in the sand and uh, either this week's lows hold and we continue to rally. And if they don't, I think maybe that's a bigger sign that maybe we've seen, uh, you know, at least a, an intermediate uh, to longer term top in in the wheat market. And uh, still, it's not too late. And you know, we still had a nice rally off the lows over the last uh, six, seven months here. And uh, but I think we really have to watch that wheat and uh, particularly the lows from, from earlier this week. Absolutely. OK, so we, one other thing that we talk about on here every time that you're on here is is getting that plan put together. And I'm reading an article uh, this morning before we get going here and I'm kind of perusing through it right now as we're as we're doing the show. Um, OPEC's looking at cutting 600,000 barrels a day. That's going to drive the price of fuel up. You know what I mean? That's what they're that's what they're trying to do. Um, Locking in those uh, diesel contracts coming for the uh, upcoming uh, harvest, harvest and planting season, both are going to get to be a big deal. So, I guess, what's your thoughts on on what's going on in the oil market, and and what do you think? Do you feel like this this could make a, a significant enough jump that there could be some adverse effects felt across the uh, uh, the farming community here in the U.S.? Well, <clears throat> a couple things. Um, Yes, uh, I do. You've had a, a tremendous break lower in energy prices. Uh, crude oil, um, you know, is struggling to hold $50 a barrel. Um, you know, obviously diesel and unleaded uh, follow that. Uh, the heating oil futures, um, you know, basically are, uh, is where the, the, uh, the diesel market uh, prices off of. And so uh, to answer your question, yes, I, I think it does make sense to begin uh, locking some fuel needs in. Um, I don't know if I go crazy and, and lock a whole year's supply in um, just yet. Um, the issue is uh, is a couple things. Number one, just from a purely seasonal standpoint, February usually um, uh, marks uh, or can uh, many times in recent years uh, mark uh, a significant uh, low just seasonally with the way uh, the usage is and the way they um, you know, configure the uh, refineries to whether they want to blend for, you know, diesel fuel or um, unleaded. They start cranking up uh, unleaded because uh, summer's coming and warmer weather and uh, at the expense of uh, heating oil and, and that can kind of curtail supplies there. So long, long answer, Casey. Yes, you definitely, um, you know, one of the inputs that has gone down on the farm here 
uh, over the last uh, few months, yes, you got to take a look at it. Uh, probably do some action if you can, uh, you know, if you have the on-farm storage, take a look at locking some of that in. Uh, certainly, if we go lower, you know, the fact that uh, that OPEC is uh, is talking about cutting production tells you that there's some supply issues there and, and uh, fears about that world growth like we talked about earlier. Um, if you'd keep going lower, um, I, you know, I think that uh, there is there is that potential risk that you could go another 20, 30 cents lower um, in the heating oil uh, market. And if you saw that, then maybe I'd, uh, you know, step up and be a little more aggressive. But absolutely have to keep that on the radar screen here, probably lock part of it in. It's been a big drop off the highs and, and certainly, um, you know, something that uh, is dollars in your pocket from an input standpoint on the farm. Absolutely. All right, a couple reports coming out today. One is the monthly employment summary comes out today. Um, it looks like they're anticipating another 150 or so thousand jobs they got created here over the last month. So you're going to see some movement in the marketplace that way. And the other one that's worth paying attention to is the uh, the red meat production report that comes out today. So those two things coming out, um, I guess, what's your reaction to those? And, and are you anticipating to see uh, upward movement in the uh, the beef market because of that? Or do you feel like there's going to be uh, enough enough uh, production in coming off the feedlots right now that there could be some downward trending in the uh, cattle market? Yeah, well, we've had a we've had a a break off the highs here recently, and the funds have liquidated some of their links uh, in the cattle market. Um, you know, I think that's uh, still going to be tied to and, and pushed and pulled between. You know, is world growth slowing because of this coronavirus thing, uh, and or uh, is China going to step up to the plate uh, here once uh, you know the official D Day of, of that taking effect next week uh, comes uh, to pass? And start buying, um, you know, potentially some U.S. beef, U.S. pork. So I think we're going to be pushed and pulled in here. We've had a definite break off the highs. Um, little fearful. Uh, we're trading about one nineteen seventy something in the April live cattle. Little fearful that we need to break that further down into the one sixteen area. But I think um, if if you do, we're going to find good support down there. And uh, seasonally, things can kind of get better here. Uh, you know, going into spring. And um, I think the window is still there for the next 90 days to have good support um, in, in cattle. Uh, not that they can't go another three, four bucks lower, but I don't think they'll stay there if they do. And uh, you always have that uh, wild card of, you know, any point in time you can wake up, uh, particularly here uh, starting after the 14th, I believe, is when that phase one trade deal takes in effect. Right. One of these days you're going to wake up and uh, see the reports, uh, you know, China bought X. And, uh, and once they buy it, no matter what it is, uh, you know, rice, cotton, whatever it is that they buy that's clearly designated as far as that phase one trade deal, it's going to go a long way towards stabilizing our <coughs> markets and probably putting a, a pretty healthy bounce in at that point. Yeah, I think when that takes place, the, uh, the weekly export reports are going to be such a, a hinge point for the market that it's going to be, I don't know if they're even... I just feel like they're going to have more weight on that than there are any other report that comes out any time during the month. Yeah, and, and they already are to some extent, especially in the uh, on the on the pork side. You know, it used to be uh, pork and beef export sales every Thursday were you know, you know like oh they put those out too. No one paid attention to them, and uh, boy, the hog market uh, certainly does. And the strange thing is, China's been there every week. You know, like right. they're, they're still. They've been buying pork for months. It just hasn't been in the big quantities. So 
I'm not the smartest uh, tool in the shed, but you know, if they're already buying pork ahead of this phase one deal, once it takes into uh, you know effect, I mean, it, to me, it's not a stretch to think they're going to really ramp up uh, those purchases. Obviously, Tyson thinks that as well, or they wouldn't have made those comments yesterday about a 600% increase in, um, in, in Chinese demand. So, and, and I, the way I read it, um, you could almost construe it that they're already, you know, making those purchases. Um, it was a little confusing the, the quote I read, but uh, nonetheless, the Tyson comments yesterday really got the hog market excited. We closed the limit up. Uh, in uh, multiple contract months in Hawks. So let's hope they know what uh, what they're talking about. Yep, absolutely. All right, Chip, well, good stuff as usual. Folks need to make a plan now. There's lots of stuff going on now that, that is uh, outside of the norm of the marketplace with all the different stuff we see happening in the world. Folks need to make that plan. If they're working on one or have got one that they need just some help with, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, best way is just uh, call our office, 309-550-7213. Uh, we'd love to talk to you about uh, what your plan is, how you can improve your plan, and uh, just, just chat with you about uh, you know risk management in general. So uh, don't hesitate to give us a call. Right on. All right, Chip. Chip Nellinger with Blue Reef Agri-Marketing in Morton, Illinois. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check out the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and just about any place else you can find a podcast. Hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. And uh, make sure you check out the Global Ag Network and all the other great uh, podcasters out there on that network. Um, for all those out there, uh, make sure you check out movingironllc.com for the latest news about Moving Iron. And uh, Moving Iron Summit's coming up here uh, September 1 through 3 in Nashville, Tennessee. That seems to be the uh, the new unofficial home of that. So um, for all the folks out there that are interested in doing something like that, hit me up at uh, Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I'll get you some information on that. Um, so I guess with that being said, I'm Casey Seymour with Chip Nellinger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving higher in the 21st century